Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened the Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be empty highways. Let's begin in Judges chapter 5. In Judges chapter 5, beginning in the first verse, it says, Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Ahinoam, on that day, saying, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel, when the people willingly offered themselves. Hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled, and the heavens dropped, and the clouds also dropped water. The mountains melted from before the Lord, even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied, and the travelers walked through byways. The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel, until that I, Deborah, arose, that I arose a mother in Israel. They chose new gods. Then was war in the gates. Was there a shield or a spear seen among forty thousand in Israel? My heart is toward the governors of Israel, that offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye the Lord. Verse 6 told us, In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied, and the travelers walked through byways. This is a unique verse. This gives us a glimpse of the state of Israel at this time. The highways were empty, and the people were taking back roads to get where they needed to go. Verse 7 is very similar. It said, The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel, until that I, Deborah, arose, that I arose a mother in Israel. What does it mean that the inhabitants of the villages ceased? The word ceased in Hebrew has a number of different meanings. Some of them are to forsake, to leave off, to let alone, to be lacking or idle, to be unoccupied. We also need to note that the word appears twice in a row. It's the word hadal, and in the Hebrew written scripture it reads hadal hadal. It's very unique in Hebrew to see two of the same word back to back, but there is a reason why this is done. In Hebrew, there is no system of punctuation like we have in English. In English, one of the reasons that we use punctuation is for emphasis. But in Hebrew, this isn't possible. So the way that they would emphasize something would be to say it twice. This is how they would express that something is of a greater degree than normal. In this case, it's ceasing that's beyond normal. It's ceasing in a greater degree. And this gives us a deeper understanding of this verse. We find from this that not only were the highways empty and the people taking back roads, but the villages were empty too. They were unoccupied. People had forsaken them and left in a great degree. This is a strange set of circumstances, but this isn't the only time that we find this type of thing taking place in Israel's history. 
we find a very similar verse, which is a prophecy, in Leviticus 26 and 22, which says, I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children, and destroy your cattle, and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. We find another similar verse in Isaiah 33 and 8, which says, The highways lie waste, the wayfaring man ceaseth, he hath broken the covenant, he hath despised the cities, he regardeth no man. We find here again emptiness and ceasing. This should lead us to ask a few questions. Why were the highways empty? Why were the villages unoccupied? And why did the villagers leave? There's a reason why these things took place. Verse 8 gives us some insight into why. It says, They chose new gods. Then was war in the gates. Was there a shield or a spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? The first thing that we need to note in this verse is that they were disarmed. This is clear from the phrase, Was there a shield or spear seen? They had no weapons, which is bad at any time, but it left them in an especially precarious place because this was during wartime. They had no way to protect themselves. They were defenseless, which caused them to have to flee and to hide in order to save their lives. The Benson Commentary says about this verse, The meaning is not that all the Israelites were without arms, but either they had but few arms among them, being many thousands of them disarmed by the Canaanites and Philistines, or that they generally neglected the use of arms as being without all hope of recovering their liberty. This shows us another element to this. Not only were they disarmed, they were dispirited. They were giving up. They weren't willing to fight the battle. And we find the same thing happening today. As Christians, we can learn from what the Israelites went through. The same way that the moon reflects the light of the sun, the natural realm is a dim reflection of the spiritual realm. Whatever we see going on in the natural realm is indicative of what's occurring in the spiritual realm. In recent times, we've seen different countries all over the world begin to make efforts to disarm their people. And this has become a natural reality. But this is just a dim reflection of what is occurring in the spiritual realm. In the spirit, the devil is attempting to disarm us. He's trying to take all the weapons of our warfare. He's trying to rob us of our strength and courage and endurance. So that when it comes time to fight our spiritual warfare, we're without protection, we're defenseless, we're left vulnerable to all attacks. We can't allow the enemy to disarm us in either the natural or the spiritual realms. Especially when it comes to our spiritual warfare, we need to use every weapon at our disposal to take the enemy down. We can't allow the enemy to force us to run away and hide like he did to the Israelites. They were afraid to walk on their own streets and to live in their own homes. This is never God's will for his people. We can't allow ourselves to give up and to stop fighting. We always need to hold on to our liberty in Christ and never let go, no matter what. This is why we need to stay armed and to be strong so that we'll be able to stand in the evil day. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We need to know the artillery that we have. And we need to know that even though we see wars and battles in the natural, the war and battles of the greatest consequence and eternal impact is our spiritual warfare. We have to know what we're up against. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
The Israelites made the mistake of allowing themselves to be disarmed and dispirited, which only led them to fleeing their homes and deserting their roads. The war was also destroying their economy, because at that time, merchants traveled by caravans in order to do their trading and to bring their goods to market. Since the highways were empty, we can infer that the caravans weren't conducting commerce like they normally did. Their usual tactics of business had been suspended, and it was ruining their economy, and it was slowly beginning to dismantle the Israelites' way of life. We find the same thing happening today. Two years ago, business across the world was suspended, which harmed the economies of many nations around the world, and it started a chain reaction that we are only now beginning to see the effects of. The Israelites' economy was falling apart at the seams, and we now need to ask ourselves, how did it get to this point? How did the Israelites fall this far? The first phrase of verse 8 says, they chose new gods. And this is part of the problem, but this isn't the root. It goes even deeper than this. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 15. In 2 Chronicles chapter 15, beginning in the first verse, it says, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you, while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season, Israel had been without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words, and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage, and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin, and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim, and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin, and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh, and out of Simeon, for there fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. And they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. We find that Israel was going through very similar circumstances to what we saw back in Judges. Verse 5 said, And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. Verse 6 also told us, A nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Their society was falling apart. There was chaos, confusion, and anarchy all around them. But we find the answer in this chapter to why all of this was occurring. Verse 3 tells us, Now for a long season, Israel had been without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. The first wrong step that they took was turning away from the law. The law is the foundation of any society. It becomes the system off which all else is based. Over time, because of man's fallen nature, man is inclined to pervert the law, 
which leads a society to being without law, like we see here with Israel. This causes chaos and confusion to become normalized, which makes everyday life dangerous. This misstep doesn't even end in itself. It produces effects which go even further. This led to them being without a teaching priest. This is the next step in a society's breakdown. Since the society had turned their back on the law, the law was no longer being taught to them, both natural law and spiritual law. This means that they were without spiritual guidance, and this means that they were without correction and without accountability, which leads to there being no consequences for wrong actions. This failure of the priests to teach the people only further ruined their society, taking away the strength of their faith. This leads to the worst effect of all, the last element in this verse, the phrase, without the true God. This is a society's final state before it is destroyed. This is when society reaches the apex of wickedness, confusion, and chaos. Once God is taken out of the picture, all these other things attempt to fill that void. When God is not present in a society, all that he gives and all that comes from him will also not be there. This means that love and hope and joy and peace and all other good things will be absent. This leaves society unrecognizable from what it formerly was. Judges 5 and 8 said they chose new gods. This reveals that this was a conscious decision that they made to turn their backs on God, which made it even that much worse. Having known the truth, they gave themselves over to the lie that something other than God could take his place. This was something that Israel was very susceptible to falling into. Countless times throughout their history, they became idolatrous because their idolatry was rooted in their rejection of teaching and counsel, which was rooted in their rejection of law. This is the progression of the slippery slope that societies go down. This progression isn't only applicable to societies, it's also, and more importantly, applicable to individuals. We see the same progression happen in the lives of many of those around us. First, we find that people make a conscious decision to turn away from following spiritual laws. They forsake the word of God, and they forsake his will for their lives. For a while, it may seem like things are going normally, but over time, it has an effect. Soon a man, having refused law, refuses any type of teaching or counsel. This means that he refuses any accountability, any advice, and any correction that he may receive. This leads a man down a dangerous path where not only does he become a law unto himself, but he also becomes his own guide on the path of life. This allows his own will to attempt to take the place of God's will in his life and puts the focus on the self. This reliance on the self over time and if left unchecked can easily become total reliance on the self, which means that anything that is not the self gets blocked out. This leads to the worst effect of all, which is a man being without the true God. This is the most detrimental state of a man. Like with societies, when they've turned their back on God, they not only lose him, but they also lose everything that comes with him. They lose love, joy, hope, and peace, and all other good things. They lose everything in life that has any true value, any true meaning, or any true worth. This leads to a man entering a phase of his life defined by wickedness and confusion and chaos, and not knowing what to do, they do the same thing that Israel did, and they choose new gods. But these new gods are never sufficient, and in the end, they leave them worse off than they were in the beginning. This leads to a man's life 
becoming like Israel in the days of Shamgar. His life becomes empty. His heart becomes unoccupied. And he's always trying to run and hide and escape from what his life has become. Whether this occurs on the societal level or on the individual level, it's a sad state of affairs. But this doesn't have to be the way that it stays. We find throughout Israel's history that although they fell into idolatry time and time again, they never stayed in that state. They always returned. This was because even though they turned their back on God and forsook God, He never truly left or forsook them. The next question that we need to ask ourselves is, how do we return? Verse 4 told us, But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, He was found of them. The first thing that we need to do is turn to the Lord by setting our minds and hearts to seek after Him. This requires us to expend real effort in prayer and in studying the Word of God. And if we stay faithful, we are promised here that we will find Him. Jesus promised us in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, saying, Ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Once we have turned back to God and sought after him, there's two things that we need to cultivate in our lives, because change never happens on the societal level. It always begins on the individual. Change has to start with us. The first thing that we need to cultivate is strength. Verse 7 of 2 Chronicles 15 said, Be ye strong therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. When the Israelites were unarmed, unprotected, and vulnerable, they needed strength. We today also need to be strong. We need to know where we stand. We need to be strong enough to swim against the current of society and follow the law and the will of God. Follow the teaching of the men of God, and most importantly, follow our God. Following requires strength. Any time that you swim against the current, you're always going to be met with resistance, and strength is required to overcome this resistance that we face. Weakness isn't something that we can allow ourselves to tolerate in our lives. Weakness won't be sufficient to get us through the days ahead. We need to cultivate our strength so that we can operate in it. The second thing that we need to have and cultivate in our lives is courage. Verse 8 says, And when Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken, out of Mount Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Asa took courage. And his courage manifested itself through his actions. He destroyed the idols in the land, which is a necessary element in turning back to the Lord. If we are to fully return to him, we need to destroy and remove from our lives all those things that try to take his place. God never shares space with anything or anyone else. He either has all of us or none of us. The mindset of courage is good and necessary, but it's not enough on its own. It needs to manifest in courageous actions. When we stay strong and courageous, we will be able to stand firm for God and for the things of God, even in the midst of a society that's falling apart at the seams. And when we stay strong and stay courageous, we won't allow the enemy to disarm us and we'll be able to successfully overcome in our spiritual warfare. Many people who have not yet come to Christ and others who have turned their back on Him are living empty lives and their hearts are unoccupied. 
We're all born with a hole in our heart that is God-sized, and we try to fill it with all sorts of pleasures and diversions and idols. But none of these suffice. Only God can fill that place. We were not designed to have emptiness in our lives. And when we turn to God, He will perfectly fill that emptiness with His Spirit and all of His gifts. And only then will we enjoy His fullness, and only then will we be at peace and have rest. 2 Chronicles 15 and 15 tells us, And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire, and he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. God wants to fill us with all his love, all his hope, all his joy, and all his peace. And all we have to do is receive it, and we'll never have to feel empty again. Our prayer for those around us should be the same as Paul's in Romans 15 and 13, when he said, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope for the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's make this our prayer today. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we see the world turning upside down all around us. We see societies falling apart at the seams. And in the natural, sometimes it seems like we want to run away and hide from all that we see around us. But Lord, we know that you have not called us to do so but that you have called us to be strong and courageous. And Lord, we ask for the strength and the courage to be birthed within us that you require from us. We thank you that it is not your will and that it is not your plan for our lives for us to have emptiness within us. Lord, we rebuke that emptiness that the enemy tries to put within us. And Lord, we thank you that you have come into our heart, that you've occupied our life, and that you've filled us with your fullness. Lord, we thank you that we can partake of your fullness and enjoy all that you have given us. Lord, we thank you that you reach into every aspect of our lives and perfectly fulfill all our desires, all our ambitions, all our dreams, and everything that you have birthed within us. Lord, we know that you have great plans and that those plans do not include emptiness. And Lord, we thank you that you have set us apart so that all of those in our lives who are feeling empty, who are missing worth, missing value, missing purpose, when they speak to us and when they see that we have all these things that you put within us, that they may see all that you are and desire to come to you and have you occupy their heart so that they're no longer empty. And Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, all that you have done and all that you're going to do. And we give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to enjoy the fullness of God, and have Jesus as a part of your life today. All you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.